This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. We're off to a great start in our By His Grace and For His Glory um, initiative. In fact, it's a great joy to be able to share with you this morning um, where we are thus far. Um, this, just in the past week or so, about 50 of our families uh, went ahead and made uh, early um, commitments, uh, pledges, uh, that are about $530,000. And when you add that to what we already had on hand from previous uh, gifts, uh, already heading into next Sunday, Commitment Sunday, we are at $845,000. So let's give the Lord an offering of thanksgiving for that. Amen. We just thank the Lord for His faithfulness. So imagine what it could be if, if all of us you know, just joined together um, and, and, uh, and give. So let me, let, me, let me kind of walk you through before we begin the message this morning sort of what next Sunday is going to look like just to ease, you know, any kind of anxiety that, that, that you may have about. It's going to be a very normal service next Sunday. Uh, at the end of the service, uh, you'll have a, a card and an opportunity uh, to, uh, to, to mark uh, what you think you would be able to, to give over the course of three years. Um, and so uh, you'll have an envelope with the card, uh, and you can Put it, put it in there. It's, it, it's sealed. It's completely confidential. Um, our ushers will collect it at the end of the service, and it'll go straight to our financial secretary. And there's, you know, there's no published list or anything. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, your, your commitment is held in confidence. Um, and really, when we think about the, a commitment card, the whole purpose of that is simply so we have some idea. Of, of the resources that are going to be available. This is not some you know, legally binding thing, obviously, or anything like that, it's, but it's something that gives us an idea. If you're building a house, you kind of want to know uh, what resources are going to be available um, as you go through the process. And so it's just something to, to give us uh, an, an idea of that. And so the biggest thing that you can do um, for right now, um, headed into to next week, um, is, to, is to be in prayer. And, and, you know, really what I desire is for this to be a time of spiritual growth. The things that we're going to do are going to enable us to, to grow in all kinds of ways. But even in the process, in the journey of that, my prayer is that it's going to be a great time of, of spiritual growth. And, you know, just to make it very personal for you, I'll, I'll take you into the living room of one family, the Hayes family. As we prayed and, and, and talked about this, um, Melissa and I, when we sat down together to think about what, what we would, were going to give um, over the course of three years, the first thing that we did was to, you know, we, 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 we just knew from the beginning, we're, we're not going to take away from what we normally give to our church from what we've been doing and just in giving to our, our, our budget. I, obviously, that wouldn't honor the Lord. So, yeah, that wasn't, I would say we took it off the table, but that was never on the table. So, you know, that was sort of a beginning point. Um, and, and then we had a conversation, Melissa and I, 
about what's really important to our family and what's, and what's really not. I would encourage every family, every couple, to have a discussion like the one that we had. Because we, we, we talked about, hey, how does, our, how does our family make memories? What are the things that we do that, that really, are, you know, that, that are going to last forever, that we're always going to remember, that are special, that are really important? And basically what we decided was that that's the times that we share together. That's the experiences that our family has together. That's the things that we, that, we, that we do together. That's how we make memories. We don't make memories off of things. Okay, and so in the course of this discussion, we, we came up with some things, that, that, some things in the things category that we could cut back on. Um, you, you know, Melissa and I, Basically, when we think about Christmas and birthdays and things like that, Melissa and I really, we don't need to give each other a lot more than just our love, you know? And so we, we know that there are just certain things that, that, we could, that, we don't have to, that we don't have to spend on. So that was a very fruitful conversation. Another thing that we did, and I, I would encourage every family um, to do this, is to look at everything that we spend. And we looked at our entire budget. We looked at every monthly bill, just every, basically every expenditure that we, that we make and tried to evaluate that. And usually when you do that, what happens is that it's sort of like when you're cleaning out your house. And when you do a thorough inventory of everything that you have in your house, you, you usually come across... A lot of things that you're like, what is this? What is this doing here? I, I haven't I haven't touched this in years. You know, it's just this is just wasting space. It's, it's, it's clutter. Um, and so a lot of times when we look at our at our budget and at our spending, we come across things like that too. And so with us, I mean, we think about okay, how often do we eat out? Um, how often, you know, even things like our magazine subscriptions, um, our, our bills, our, our, our AC, heat, water. We looked, at, we looked at all of that, and we found a lot of ways that we can save uh, on, on so, so many things like that. And so, you know, at the, at the, by the time we got to that point in the discussion, we were already feeling better. We were already feeling kind of freed up. You know that there was gonna, um, gonna. We, we were already seeing some things that would enable us to give beyond what we what we normally um, would uh, would, would give. And so, the next thing that that we did, and this was just helpful for us. Everybody does it different ways, but we kind of thought about it in terms of uh, weekly. You know, how much more could we give on a on a on a weekly basis? And we, we arrived at that figure, and then we multiplied that times 156, three years, 52, 52, 52. And it was amazing, the figure that came out at the end of that. Now, if we had started with that figure 
I think we, we might have felt intimidated, like, how, we can't, how can we do that? But when we just kind of broke it down and thought through sort of, you know, on a, a, a weekly basis, it, you know, it, it just seemed a lot more manageable and sp- spread out over, over three years. And so, you know, it was just really helpful for us. There's still a lot of things that we have to take on faith because there are unknowns in our, in our lives. In all of our lives, there are unknowns. For us, you know, we have um, our son is going to, two years from now, Lord willing, will be in college, and so we're looking at colleges now. We don't know what college it's going to be. We don't know what financial aid or that type of thing that we're going to be eligible for. Cost. I mean, there's just things like that that we, right now, we, there's no way that we can know that. Um, we, have, we have three pretty high mileage vehicles um, in, in our family. Uh, one of them is, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old or, or whatever, and has had a few issues along the way. And I can tell you, with our, with our vehicles, uh, we're going to drive them into the ground, okay? We're going to drive them until they drop and keep them serviced and just drive them as long as we can. But even so, we don't, we don't know when one of them's going to conk out. But here's what we do know. We do know that our God is faithful. And we have seen this proven over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in our lives. We have just seen our God come through. And He does. He is so trustworthy. Um, and so... You know, stepping out on faith, like Steve said in the video, there is, there is an exhilaration and an excitement about doing that that we never get to experience if we don't step out on faith. And we can do it, and we can do it with confidence because of the things that we're going to see in God's Word today. So I want you to open your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We have been working our way through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and we're actually a little bit ahead of, of schedule. So I'm not sure where we're going to be next week. Check out your, your newsletter when you get it and see, and see what our text is going to be for next week. But um, we progressed all the way up to chapter 9 and verse 6. I began to sort of unpack this last week but we're going to get deeper into it today and go ahead and finish out chapter 9. So let's look beginning with verse 6. And the Apostle Paul says this, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that, having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. It's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food 
will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before your word now, we pray that you would give us humble hearts before you and just open minds and hearts and allow your spirit to speak to us now through your word. Heavenly Father, we look forward to all that you're going to do in the life of our church. You've been so faithful to our church in the past and in all of our lives in the past and now and you will be in the future. Lord, help us to see through your word today um, what you say about just the whole issue of generosity. Lord, so speak to us now through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's awesome to see those people baptized earlier in the service. The Texas statesman Sam Houston was baptized on November the 19th, 1854. He was 61 years old at the time of his baptism. And he had lived a very full and a very colorful life and frankly kind of a wild life. And so when he came to know Christ, um, it, it was, he was blown away just by the gospel and all that Jesus had done for him. He was baptized in a place called Little Rocky Creek, right outside of, of Independence, Texas. There's still a, a marker that's at that spot today, and people from counties all around came to see Sam Houston uh, baptized. And soon after his baptism, he, his heart was just full of, of the goodness of the Lord, and he wanted to do something to advance the gospel. And so... Um, he, uh, he wanted to give just a very, very financially generous uh, gift to his church. And someone asked him why he was doing that. And Sam Houston, in his rugged, homespun way, he said, Well, when I got baptized, my wallet got baptized too. And you know what? That's, um, that's kind of the case with all of us, because when we're blown away by the goodness of the Lord and His grace in saving us, I think the reflex of our heart is that we, we desire um, to give. And so last week, we, we began to, to look at, at this passage, and in verse 6, we saw that Paul gives this analogy from the world of farming to illustrate what he's talking about. He says the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, but the word that's translated bountifully here 
It's the Greek word eulagia, eulagia, which is where we get the English word eulogy. The word means blessing, okay? When at a eulogy, at a funeral, words of blessing are spoken about a life. And what Paul is saying here is that God speaks blessings over the lives of those who give generously. Now, don't take my word for that. Take the word of God for that. What does he say here? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And this is a pattern that we see throughout the Word of God when the Bible addresses the issue of giving. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Proverbs 11. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Malachi 3, God says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Jesus says, in Luke 6:38 give and it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be put into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you and so the pattern that we see throughout the word of God is that generous givers to God receive generous blessings from God. Now, throughout this passage, Paul is coming back to this metaphor of the harvest. He's picturing a harvest. And in biblical times, the harvest was a great time of celebration. That's why, even today, we have things like Peanut Fest in the fall. We have the county fairs and things like that for the most part. In the fall, it's because it goes back to this concept of a celebration of the harvest. A celebration of of, of harvest blessings. And there are four harvest blessings that result from generous giving that he's talking about here. The first is the harvest blessing of God's love. The harvest blessing of God's love. What does he say in verse 7? Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now obviously, we know that God loves everyone. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In fact, we know that God loved us when we didn't love him, right? Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his own love for us in this and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so yes, there's a, a, a general love that, that God has for 
uh, for all people. But what he's saying here is that there's a, there's a special, unique uh, love that God has for, uh, for those who give cheerfully and generously. He's saying here that God takes us, that when we give in this way, that God takes a special delight in that. And that leads to the, the next thing that he talks about. The harvest blessing of God's generosity. Look at what he says in verses 8 and following. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written. He is distributed freely, he's given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Now let's go back to what he says here in this first sentence in verse 8. Notice the prevalence of the word all. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency at all, in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. You see, four uses of the word all here, and actually in the Greek, it's five. Because in the Greek, this, the word that's translated in English as every in verse 8, that's the same word that's translated all in the other four instances. So Five times Paul uses this, this same word. It's as if, it's as if Paul is, is groping, groping for words. He feels so strongly about what he wants to communicate that he's, he's, he's groping for words. And basically he is, he is saying, listen, Paul, Paul is saying, guys, I can't say this enough. Or stress this enough. God is outrageously, lavishly generous to those who practice generosity. He's just, he, he can't communicate that enough. So, what, is, what does all this mean? I mean, we, we, you know, we, we live today in a culture, sometimes you may turn on the TV and you see these sort of... Uh, health and wealth, prosperity-oriented uh, type of preachers on, on TV, you say, well, Pastor, what, what do you think about those guys? Um, here's what I think. Just like most false teachings, okay, the false teaching there is it's taking something that's true and twisting it, perverting it. That's the case with almost every false teaching. Almost every false teaching is, is something true twisted. The fact that God blesses generosity is undeniable biblically. I mean, we've seen that already today in God's Word. I mean, that, that's undeniable. But why? does God bless generous givers? Does He bless us so that we can fulfill some materialistic dream? 
No. No. Um, in fact, the whole metaphor here that he uses of the, of the harvest, it, you know, if we talked about it last week, the farmer sows generously so that he can reap a greater harvest, but then that's not so he can take that harvest and just keep it in the barn. No, he sows generously to reap generously so that he can sow even more. And it just keeps growing and, and growing. What, what the Bible teaches is that God blesses generous givers with more, not so we can hoard more, but so that we can give more. What does he say here in, uh, in, in, in verses uh, 10 and 11? He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now look at this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. It's not so God doesn't bless us so that we can just heap up more of the world's stuff when there is a world of people in need of Christ. And so there's the harvest blessing of God's generosity. Third, there's the harvest blessing of thanksgiving and praise to God. The harvest blessing of thanksgiving and praise to God. Verse 11 and following. He says, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. What Paul is saying here is that this offering that they're collecting for the church in Jerusalem, it is going to result in more thanksgiving to God, more praise to God, more glory to God, more worship of God. Look at what he says in uh, chapter 4 and verse 15. He says, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. In other words, as, grace, as the grace of God in the gospel reaches more and more people, as more and more people come to know the Savior, what is the, what is the result of that? God is more loved and praised and thanked and honored. Jesus is more famous and exalted and glorified. Now that's, that's what this is all about. That's why we name this whole initiative by His grace for His glory. It's, it goes really back to this verse. Because what we're doing is going to enable the grace of God to reach more and more people in our community. You know, to be able to, to warmly welcome guests into our church, for our, our worship center, our experience of worship to be enhanced, for our preschool and children's areas and, 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 and youth areas to be renovated and our church to be made more accessible to, to senior adults and for our church to just get a of the facelift that it's needed for so long, 
it's just going to enhance our ability in all kinds of ways to reach men and women and boys and girls for Christ. That's what it's all about. It's about people, as Michael said earlier. Reaching people for Christ. And as grace extends to more and more people, what does it do? It increases thanksgiving. God is more thanked. The God who alone is worthy of thanksgiving and honor and adoration and worship and praise receives more of that. Christ is more lifted up. Christ is more famous. As grace extends to more and more people, He is more glorified. That, you know, that's, that's what this is all about. That's the harvest blessing of thanksgiving and praise to God. And then we see the harvest blessing of giving others a picture of the gospel. You know when we give, that's what we're doing? We're giving, we're picturing what has been done for us. And at the end of this passage, Paul just, he just explodes in, 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 in praise for this. What does he say? Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. In other words, I, 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 there are no adequate words to express what God has done for us. You know, Andre Crouch said it, how can I say thanks for the things God has done for me? His grace so undeserved that He gave His life for me. That's, that's the inexpressible gift of God. That's the gospel. And so when we give, what are we doing? We're picturing, we're picturing the gospel. We're picturing the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing love, mercy, and grace toward us in the gospel. For the inexpressible gift of Christ for us. Lord, um, as we sung earlier, what, what can we do <laughs> but thank you? What, what can we do but, but praise you and, and make our lives really an, an offering to you? And so, Father, we thank you for the way that you've provided the greatest gift of all, your Son, and the fact that you just continue to, to provide uh, for us. As, as Paul says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Lord, you, you tell us that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that you'll, you'll take care of the rest. Um, when we're obedient to you, that you, uh, you, you, you provide for us and you take care of us in so many ways. You've been so good. We've received grace upon grace. As we just continue to pray right now, maybe you're here today and you've, you walked into this place today with questions about, about the gospel. You know, what is Christianity... What is the gospel? Have I truly trusted in Christ? In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And if you're here today and you would say, you know, I want to receive this inexpressible gift. 
um, that God has given so freely of His Son. In just a moment, as we stand and sing, I want to invite you to come. Maybe you're here today and you would say, I've received this gift and I want to be a part of this church family. I know God's Word tells us you know, to be a part of a local church family and I want to lock arms with this body of believers. We want to invite you to, to come. As others stand and sing, just slip out from where you are. I'll be right here at the front to meet you. So Father, we give you now this time of invitation. Lord, would you work and move in the hearts and lives of your people right now for your glory's sake. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and you be on your way with your decision. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin. But I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1.12. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.